happened to the NFL? Welcome to the NFL, rookie. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the DWZ Network's very own Rookie Rundown. As always, my lovely people, I am Dallas, your host. You can find me on Twitter at Salad Galore. That is Salad with two L's, my name backwards. And it is my favorite time of the year. It's rookie season. It's officially launched. I dropped my first episode of the season last week going over the bull standouts from this rookie class that I've declared. Some had not declared RIP to everything I've said about Jalen Cropper for the 2022 draft. And just go ahead and file that for the 2023 draft. The class gets another great wide receiver. But guys, today... I am here to talk about my buys and sells, not from the 2022 rookie class, but from the 2021 rookie class. I'm going to be diving into the stats, the season finishes, um, my overall film analysis on the guys from last year's class. Uh, The next couple weeks, I'll be spending basically going over some of these guys, my hits, my misses, the guys I really love. This specific episode is about the guys you should be buying or the guys you should be selling from the 2021 rookie class based off of the initial performances and the team outlook going forward. I've said it a couple of times during this last fantasy football season, but for me, I typically don't sell a lot of my rookie players, or I guess I should rephrase that, a lot of my second year players going into the offseason before their second year. Um, it's just not something I typically do. You usually get value gouged, uh, and it takes a lot of disdain for a certain player or a certain outlook for a player in order for me to actually say, yeah, you guys should be selling them. Um, typically, as is the case with today's sells for me, uh, it's going to be players whose value is much higher than I anticipate their career arc being able to uphold on its own. And so this is the classic cash out guys. So um, they're typically going to be buys for me in today's episode and then cash out guys. Um, I've got more buys than I do cash outs and I'm going to try and avoid the obvious like, yeah, go ahead and spend everything you can on Jamar Chase. Yeah, go ahead and spend everything you can on Javante Williams. I'm going to avoid telling you to do that. Um, These are guys, some with higher draft capital, some with lower draft capital that are going a little bit underneath the radar right now for me and have a little bit of a bad taste in some people's mouths based off of recency bias. So we'll just go ahead and dive in right now and we will hop on to my first buy. Honestly, it's the one that I'm targeting the most heavily this offseason and that is Mr. Devonta Smith out of Philadelphia. He came in last year setting the Heisman you know, setting the Heisman Trophy down and saying, look at my resume, basically. Uh, He blew everyone in the college football world out of their socks last year in the 2020 season for them. Came in, still was not the most lauded after wide receiver in the class. Uh, There was concerns about his injury capabilities, his size capabilities, his overall ability just to, you know, stay up and be healthy, Um, be a productive wide receiver when he was so slim. His nickname is Slim Reaper. That transferred over. He weighed in even less than what we thought he was going to be. He played at a lighter weight than we probably wanted him to play. But guess what? He stayed healthy the entire season. On the season, he finished in half-point PPR, which will be my 
you know, staple as always here on the channel. Uh, he finished his wide receiver 29. So he was a wide receiver three on the season. He finished with over a hundred targets. He brought in 64 of those for 916 yards and five touchdowns. So I know the touchdowns weren't very heavily. The wide receiver 29 is not even remotely close to a guy like Jamar Chase who finished in that top 12, who blew people out of the water and just wowed them week in, week out. It's not even close to what Jalen Waddle did just from a touchdown and from a reception standpoint. Jalen Waddle had 40 more receptions than Devonta Smith did this last season. But what did stand out is the fact that this production came in the heaviest run-to-pass ratio offense in all of the NFL. So he ends up finishing the season 45th on the targets per game. He averaged about six per game. He ended the season 51st in receptions per game at just 3.7. That put him smack dab in the middle of the likes of Corey Davis, who only played half the season, and a guy like Meikle Hardman, who just could not consistently get the work in that offense. So in all reality, his reception total was not very high. Um, he, Like I said, he saw over 100 receptions, so that conversion ratio wasn't that great, but a lot of that had to do with the fact that he was not on the same page with Jalen Hurts at the beginning of the season. If you've looked over the last couple of weeks, he really started hitting it off and really started finding a stride, specifically about midway through the season on. Uh, at the end of the season, he was 35th in yards per game. He sat just at 54 yards a game, which isn't something that's going to blow you away. It's not great numbers, and that's why he finished as a wide receiver three last year. All the stats, if you just look at that point, point towards the fact of him not being anything special statistically and probably not worth spending up for but the film shows something completely different guys he's the favorite target of Hertz in this offense who realistically is still going to be the quarterback in philly unless he's used in a package of some sort in a big gangbuster move for a quarterback the thing with that move is that the picks with the philadelphia eagles are a lot less advantageous and alluring to opposing teams this year than they would have been at even the halfway point, um, they railed off quite a few wins to actually make the playoffs. Their picks that are guaranteed from the other players are pick 15 and pick 16. Realistically, that means that their third pick in the first round is going to be either in the very, very last spot of the teens at 19 or somewhere in the mid to late 20s, depending on how well they do if there is an upset of Tampa Bay coming for the Eagles. So unless they use those, and even if they do, the quarterback position either isn't going to change or is going to see an upgrade with the likes of a guy like Deshaun Watson, a guy like Aaron Rodgers even. There's a lot of different moves they could do, but the outlook for Devonta Smith on the team is amazing. As I said, they had the highest run-to-pass ratio in the entire NFL. So his overall, his use in the slot, it's it's something I don't see particularly staying going forward. So he he was relegated to the slot primarily, even though he was the number one target. He was constantly competing with a guy like Dallas Goddard for those slot targets. And they just let a bunch of nobodies basically on the outside attempt to get those outside targets. Jalen Rager is easily the least efficient outside wide receiver in the league from a statistical standpoint. And the fun fact that I saw, uh, the fun little stat I saw this week is the fact that Jalen Rager had just over half the receiving yards that Henry Ruggs had this season, and Henry Ruggs was arrested during week eight. He's not good, guys. I'm so glad there's so many leagues I threw out deals that, yes, they may not have been the best deals, but they were fair deals at the time for a guy like Jalen Rager. Everyone turned me down for them based off of the draft capital that they invested in him last year, and it's 
now trades. I don't want. I'm glad I didn't end up getting him in any of the leagues that I attempted to get. And it's honestly a good thing for Devonta Smith's outlook because I project him going on the outside quite a bit more going forward. Even if they bring in a big bodied wide receiver, I really think that still is going to help his case. That just opens up more space if there's another alpha that can actually allow him to see the easy targets, even though he's still separating like nobody's business. Nothing's changed about his game and he has the perfect package. If he continues to stay healthy, which I have no concerns about, he is a very, very cheap buy this offseason, guys, compared to where he was going. So if you look at basically his yardage total for his rookie season, sitting at that 916 yards, the only wide receivers since 2018 to beat him are the likes of A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, Jamar Chase, and Jalen Waddell. It's only six guys. All of them are studs. And everyone else didn't even come close, basically. He's better than DK Metcalf in his rookie season. He's better than a guy like Chase Claypool in his rookie season, which is someone that I'm very high on even going forward, regardless of the dud year that he put up this year. So when you look at this overall Waddle is a guy I would be targeting. A late first should get it done due to the fact that a late first is basically what he went with last season. And it's a move with the injury with Jamison Williams coming in. If you're looking for a wide receiver that can produce all year for you, it's a move that during draft time, uh, depending on the landing spot, obviously that'll make a a big difference for Jamison Williams. Uh, You could and I probably would be flipping for the pick that would allow someone to take Jamison Williams in the back end of the field just based off of the pedigree that Devonta Smith shows, the rapport he's gained with Jalen Hurts, and the overall outlook going forward for him, and there's no injury designation. So that's my first buy of the guys, uh, buy, buy guy, basically, for the season. Uh, my second one, people are going to say it's a homer pick. It's fair, I understand, but I'm going out and sniffing around trying to acquire Justin Fields in leagues I don't own him in. He was the QB 31 this season with only a 59% completion rating, 1,870 yards passing, and a 7-10 to 10 touchdown to turnover ratio. But what he did have was another 420 yards and two rushing touchdowns on the ground. Overall, guys, the Chicago Bears are in shambles for me. Um, Their defense is very solid, but the overall organization is imploding. They fired Matt Nagy. They fired Ryan Place. The offense looked absolutely atrocious, and anyone who drafted him can't really be happy with the performance that he put up in 2021. But flipping the equivalent of the 103 or 104 in a super flex this year for him is more tempting than most of the QBs you're looking at if you were to re-roll the dice this year going forward. So I would still be looking to acquire Justin Fields. If you have that mid first in a super flex, realistically, I think you could very easily flip that pick if you need a quarterback for a guy like Justin Fields and feel quite a bit better than you would on a guy like Kenny Pickett, on a guy like Desmond Ritter, on a guy like even Matt Corral, who's most people's favorites in this class. Uh, The main reasons for me is that the whole team is restructuring. The offensive holes that they have in the heavy skill position free agency class that we're looking at not to mention the massive hike in cap space overall for the NFL and for the team in general. They have a lot more cap this year than they've been rocking with the last basically half a decade. Uh, I think there's going to be one to two big splashes in the free agency class on the offensive side of the ball. Now that may mean a very high-priced tackle ends up moving because it's a pretty lucrative tackle class as well. But I realistically see them bringing in a guy like Chris Godwin, a guy like Mike Williams, to fill in the role that they will be losing with 
Allen Robinson, who extremely underperformed with Justin Fields this year. He doesn't look the same. It's been weird. I think he just didn't have his heart in it, but I would expect that to come in. It gives him a bona fide target. If they do solidify the offensive line, it's something that you can feel very comfortable about. But until they even do, his rushing floor is going to prop him up quite a bit more than you would anticipate. Uh, Until the O-line is secured, his legs are basically his lifeline, guys. And boy, oh boy, does he use him. He was fifth in quarterback rushing behind only Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and Kyler Murray. And he only played half the games this season. It's a great sign for a young runner to be that, that productive. He looked electric when he was scrambling and his a dot through the first nine starts that he had led the league. He's not afraid to sling it. His deep ball as well. He just needs a better team around him. And I see that happening this off season. So Justin Fields is someone that could be had. There's probably not going to be a huge discount due to the fact that most people tried to pick him up at that 102 to 103 range in a super flex last year. But if someone is very down on them, as most probably are, if they picked him up at the early first and tried to use him this year, it's a flip that would make sense. I like him better than anyone that you would be getting at that 105 or 106 range this year from the quarterback position, and it's something that most likely a person on the other end will be attempting to do. The third player that is a buy for me this offseason is RB0. Someone that was injured basically all season in this rookie class, and that's Mr. Travis Etienne on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Injury stole his entire season, but the talent is still there, guys. I know there was that weird thing where Urban Meyer basically attempted to turn him into a wide receiver before the season. We were all scared of it, but Urban's gone. We saw the talent in college. He's one of the highest graded talents at the running back position ever recorded from a statistical standpoint over the three years that he was at Clemson. And although his price is slightly depressed this offseason, the hype will begin to build over the offseason. So this is the move that I would categorically say you need to do the soonest out of the three. Um, For me, Robinson's injury still isn't at the forefront of the news this offseason, his Achilles injury, but it's huge for Etienne's 2022 outlook. The new regime will be coming in. They'll be told to use the first round pick by the Khan family that they used the last offseason on him. The line can't get any worse than what it was in 2021, and the coaching can't get any worse than it was in 2021 because that was just a complete shit show on the Jag side from a organizational standpoint. So for me, a mid to late first is what the price was last year to acquire a guy like Travis Etienne, and a first in the mid to late range is realistically what you're going to use to get him this offseason. Um, if someone is concerned about the injury, doesn't like the Jacksonville setup, or if there's a nice landing spot for one of the top, mm, one of the top, uh, realistically, any of the three running backs this season, um, I would have a hard time deciding between the two. So if you know that the person that has Etienne is a big rookie guy or is big on one of the running backs in the first five to six picks, I would realistically start throwing out some feelers if you have a pick in that range for a guy like Travis Etienne, because from a skill standpoint, I enjoy him quite a bit more than I do this rookie running back class. Um, I do like Isaiah Spiller quite a bit, and Kenneth Walker is a little bit more physically dominating than a guy like Travis Etienne, but Travis Etienne's skill set and college pedigree is quite a bit better than a guy like Kenneth Walker. The injury has had so much time to heal, guys, and I think he's just really being slept on by quite a few people across pretty much all my leagues. Uh, 
The last buy for me is another wide receiver, and this is the forgotten star of the 2021 season in my eyes. That is Mr. Elijah Moore from the New York Jets. He finished the season as wide receiver 48, so at the tail end of a wide receiver 4. He saw 43 receptions for 538 yards and five touchdowns and then put up another 50 yards on the ground with one rushing score. They used him a little bit more versatility uh, in his game, and they used it primarily at the beginning of the season. They kind of weaned that back as they relied on him more heavily as a pass catcher in the offense. Like I said, he's the forgotten star of the 2021 season for me. No one is really talking about him right now, and it's a mistake not to be. Out of the 13 weeks that he played, he received 6-plus targets in 11 of those 13 games. The offense isn't as sexy as you typically want it to be to be, you know, promoting any serious draft capital into a guy at the wide receiver position, but you'll be able to get him at a discounted price. Expect him to feast in the slot role going forward, guys. Braxton Berrios did it in his wake. He was doing it before he went down with his injury that ended his season, and It's just a role that is so, so, so lauded after in this Shanahan tree, in this LaFleur tree, is the slot wide receiver, is the reliable guy. It's the staple of the offense. And looking at this Jets team, the health on the offensive line this season was terrible. It'll help the offense to get Mekhi Becton, both starting guards, back. The run game will increase. The time in the pocket for a guy like Zach Wilson should increase. And you can expect the wide receiver one and free agent to come in. My guess, honestly, just thinking about it, is I realistically think that they're going to be the biggest suitor for a guy like Mike Williams to come in. It's the type of wide receiver they need. They need a big body on the outside that they can chuck it up to. Corey Davis just still can't stay healthy. It's what plagued him before last year's breakout season with the Tennessee Titans, and it popped up again this season. They're going to be looking for more offensive weapons. They still don't have a tight end there. Realistically, they could make a move, but there's not any really good ones out in free agency this year. So they may use a surrogate big body guy to soak up some of those targets that will help a guy like Zach Wilson hopefully rein in what was an abysmal season this year. An early second is what was used to get him last year. And realistically, based off of the forgotten kind of hype that he has and the actual progression that he had throughout the season, you should probably be able to get him for a late first to early second once again, which is something I'm very comfortable with based off of this rookie class again, guys. Moving on to my sells or cash outs. Uh, The biggest cash out for me this season is going to be none other than the Pittsburgh Steelers tight end phenom from his rookie season, Mr. Pat Fryermuth. He finished the season as tight end 13 on the year with 121.7 fantasy points. That's in a half PPR per usual, and he brought in a staggering 60 receptions as a rookie tight end, which is very nice. I won't say anything bad about the reception total. He had just under 500 yards receiving at 497, and he brought in a whopping seven touchdowns, which is good for any tight end. I don't care how old you are. But what concerns me is the more advanced metrics when you look at his stats. He was 17th at the tight end position in targets per game at under four. He was sitting at 3.5 per game. He was 24th in yards per game at only 31 yards a game averaged. And he had the third most receiving touchdowns at the tight end position. It's something that was completely propped up with tight ends, which I understand may be alluring for the tight end position because that's what we typically chase. But I chase more than anything targets at the position. 
It's an unrealistic touchdown repeat in the 2022 season when you're looking at a rookie tight end who went absolutely bonkers when he was getting limited work at the beginning of the season. I'm expecting a complete shakeup in this offense, as most are, and the QB influx will most likely hype up and or maintain the value that he currently has if a good to very good tight end, or not tight end, quarterback, which I expect to happen. Knock on wood, they don't sign Jimmy Graham because I think that's a mistake for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but that's going to basically prop up his value even more. Um, the thing with that is that a quarterback that couldn't throw deep was the absolute best thing for his value. Big Ben basically just had blinders on for him because he was taking over that short game role that Juju Smith-Schuster had or was supposed to have in the offense. Bringing in a better quarterback deviates those targets, spreads it out. I see a bigger uptick for a guy like Chase Claypool and whoever they bring in as the wide receiver three in this offense now that I almost guarantee James Washington will be gone rather than pumping up the targets to the tight end, especially if a guy like Aaron Rodgers makes the move over to Pittsburgh. A guy like Deshaun Watson ends up in Pittsburgh. Uh, it's something that I don't think is sustainable. Realistically, a late first is the market value that you can get from a guy like Pat Fryermuth this season, and if I can get a first of any kind for him, I'm definitely flipping for that. Um, once again, I could turn that into a guy like Elijah Moore, which I would much rather have than a guy like Pat Fryermuth. So if you basically have any tight end body with even remotely a shot to finish in the top 12, I'd be flipping him in a heartbeat for the current ADP and the current overall trade value that a guy like Pat Frymuth has. Um, I'm not saying he had a bad season. Like I said, I think he had talent, guys. If you remember my analysis of him, I talked about how I expected this later on, maybe in year two once he acclimated. Um, but looking at how he was used, it was kind of concerning. Um, the targets weren't really there. When they were, it was very boom or bust games where he would have two targets or he would have 10. And they were all very, very short. Like I said, he averaged just 31 yards a season. His totals were propped up by tight ends, and that's uh, not tight ends, touchdowns. And that's not something I'm looking for from my tight ends. I want those heavy target games consistently. And so then going on to my last cash out guy, this is the only true sell, get off of my team, I'm done with you move that I'm going to suggest for any of you this offseason, and that's Zach Wilson. Um, it was bad, guys. He finished the season with 55% completion. He had more yardage than Justin Fields at 23-34, but he also played six more games than a guy like Justin Fields. His interception to or sorry turnover to touchdown ratio was nine to eleven once again, and he saw 185 yards on the ground with four rushing touchdowns. So a little bit of an uptick at the rushing job, but when it actually goes into how he played, it was terrible. He showed me absolutely nothing this year. It was comparable stats on the field to a guy like Justin Fields on paper, but the level of boneheaded mistakes and the nature of his turnovers compared to Fields isn't even close. Pressure rate was almost half of that of the average quarterback, and he could not stop turning the ball over, could not stop throwing the ball into dirt. Skying, guys, I normally tell you to hold on to him based off of his positional value of being a quarterback, but realistically, I think you should be able to still flip him for a single late first in the super flex, and if you're able to, I'm just screaming for you guys to do it. If you're able to get a guy at the back end of the round, even like a Desmond Ritter, um, if he were to get first or second round draft capital, I'm more comfortable than a guy like 
Zach Wilson. I just really, it's an easy comparison just based off of their play style in the same team, but I just really think we're dealing with a Sam Darnold 2.0 here. You may get some flashy games. You may get a couple of weeks in a row with some good track record, but as of right now, I haven't seen any consistency from the position. I haven't seen anything from him skill-wise to say, he can do this. He looks like he is frazzled and panicked. He constantly is throwing the ball before he needs to just because the game's just moving so fast for him. Um, it's just really bad. Um, normally on the guy, like I said, uh, (laughs) I don't really like to re-roll the dice on a quarterback very early. Um, but in this case it's diminished value on goods and I'm just trying to get them out before the value is zero. Um, it's, it's a similar case that we see a lot of times with quarterbacks. Not all of them can hit. And I just can't stress that enough that not all of them can hit. So if there are quite a few guys, IE in this 2021 rookie class that we've seen, there was only really one guy that hit. I mean, I would say there's really only one guy that kind of hit in Mac Jones on a consistent basis, just from a production level. And we've seen flashes from a couple of other ones. Uh, We know that everyone doesn't hit. It's usually about a 20% to a 30% hit rate on the quarterback position in the first round. So if I'm going to be rolling the dice on a quarterback, hoping that they are going to turn into what they've shown flashes of, it's not going to be a guy like Zach Wilson. So once again, guys, that's pretty much all the players I wanted to talk about. Um, Just a reminder on some of the other lower key ones from last year. I'm pretty heavily in on investing on any of the Houston Texan options that you can. Um, I've talked about it in our Patreon, which if you're not a Patreon member of the DW Network, you need to be. It is the best value you'll find. So much chatting, so much value talk, so much trade advice, so much one-on-one help, so much rookie content. You're going to love it. But as I said in said Patreon, uh, I'm pretty heavily in as... I'm pretty heavily on the investing on the Houston Texans rookies from last year. Um, Davis Mills, Brevin Jordan, Nico Collins, all are very attractive to me. Their prices have almost tripled since my advice mid-season to go out and acquire them, but they're still attainable at a decent price and relatively low price. Um, This entire offense should shake up quite a bit, but all of them showed enough flashes where I have no problems rolling the dice on a third-round pick on one of them, which is realistically all you're going to have to pay for any of them due to their diminished stats. Um, Nico Collins is probably the highest out of the three for me. Um, He showed flashes, and when he was actually targeted heavily, he had very successful games. He's actually separated a little bit more and a little bit more efficiently than I anticipated him doing as a big body wide receiver. So that's good. And the number two for me is definitely Brevin Jordan. He's a freak, and he started seeing targets at the end of the season. Expect that to go forward as they basically just started benching Jordan Akins of the last quarter of the season for Brevin Jordan. It's just that the offense basically was just trying to run out the clock in every game and get games over as quickly as possible, so there wasn't a lot of passing volume to go around. Um, Like I said, the Houston Texans are guys that I'm going after. If there's a team I am avoiding um, just from a rookie standpoint from last year, I think it probably is going to be the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I think the team is realistically going to look a lot different in 2022 than what it did in 2021 with Jimmy G. You're going to see a lot different of a run offense with the rushing capabilities of a guy like Trey Lance. Elijah Mitchell came in and was the gangbuster. Um, he is a good pickup, obviously, this season. You just have to pay for him. But guys like Jawan Jennings, guys like Trey Sermon, and maybe even guys like Trey Lance might be a little bit too pricey for you 
compared to what the value is that you're going to get out of them. Um, we know that there's a lot of injuries riddled on this team. There's something about that training staff, something about the way that they run so physically that is a little bit concerning for me. So I always have a problem paying up price wise for guys that don't give you the full season. Um, those would be the two teams I would note for this rookie season and recap of the 2021 rookies. But that has been the buy and cash out section, guys. Um, look forward to the next couple of weeks as I start diving more and more into this 2022 class. I will be giving you after it's probably I'm debating right now whether or not it's going to be before or after the senior bowl, but I'm going to be giving you my firm selections for my ranks, my top tens at all positions. Um, Prior to the NFL draft, you can look for um, more in-depth analysis on the individual positions as well as they do some deep dives on some players as news comes out. If there's any uh, surprise declares and or not declares of the next week, I may be touching that as well. But I'm just excited to be sitting here talking rookies with you all. If you have any questions, you can find me, as I said, on Twitter at Salad Galore in the Patreon. I'm always here to chat. Even if you got IDP questions, I love to talk about some IDP guys. But as always, this has been the Rookie Rundown with your host, Dallas. And until next week, have a wonderful weekend, guys. Bye-bye. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. a game yesterday and if we win one today that's two in a row we win one tomorrow that's called a winning streak